This is a Ward Scott Files advisory. The Ward Scott Files podcast may contain material not suited for people who are easily offended. Trust us on this. This show contains adult information and opinions. Please protect small children, sensitive pets, fragile houseplants, and liberal relatives. Thank you. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. There he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Monday of May, May 1. How about that? Moving right along, almost halfway through the year. Coach Hall locker room here in the manly Warthog Man Cave inside the Meldon Law Studio, the only official law firm partner of the University of Florida Gators and protected 24 7, uh, 365 by crime prevention. So don't forget all that now. It's um, definitely a great business and you need to uh, make sure you support them and use them and get yourself a dog ball camera, get yourself some kind of uh, something that you can uh, protect yourself with. Well, well, well. The draft has come and gone. I'm talking about the football draft. No, I'm not talking about the Vietnam draft. And um, it's got really a weird kind of thing in it. Uh, it's got a guy, well, the, late, the latest numbers I've heard for the lifetime of his contract is 40-some million. A local kid, as you know, from Eastside High School, who really is a very unusual story for, uh, let me get the light on here, a very unusual story for a draft. If you figure the number one draft, why that's a quarterback, had a good career, measurable, all the above, and um, kind of typical, normal way a draft is conducted. Second guy to come along, kind of typical, normal. And right on down the line until you get to, to the number four pick, I won Anthony Richardson. Now, Anthony Richardson is a very interesting story, so much so that the Wall Street Journal has a article about him called the NFL Draft's Greatest Enigma. And I'm going to go through what the Wall Street Journal says about him because much of it we all agree with. And yet here we have a guy who has gone from, well, Eastside High School to the big time money-wise and stardom. So that's an interesting story in and of itself. But as the Wall Street Journal notes, Anthony Richardson had, quote, an unremarkable college career. Now, here's a guy who gets picked in the first round who has an unremarkable college career. So how does that happen? 
Well, there is a story behind the story. You may never have heard of this name, but this gentleman's name is Kent Lee Platt, or maybe it's Platte. I'm going to call it Platt, P-L-A-T-T-E. This guy is a former Navy cryptologist. Code guy. Who also happens to be one of the most useful people decoding or writing code, depending upon how you see it, for the NFL draft. And the argument can be made that if we're not for Mr. Kent Lee Plot Ate, Anthony Richardson might not have been taken in the place he was taken because he is an anomaly. And yet he's won, in spite of a forgettable college career, he was one of the hottest prospects in the sport. So much so that the Kentucky quarterback, who was a real quarterback, so to speak, got pushed down to the second round. What does Mr. Plate do? Well, he's applied his coding wizardry, so writeth Andrew Beaton. He invented a metric that crunches a host of pre-draft testing data into a single number for every player. Think about that. This guy wrote the code for that. This is a formula that takes information like how fast a player runs, how high he jumps, and it distills all of this into what is called a relative athletic score, which is a grade that's very popular to the NFL draft pundits because it helps quantify someone's traits and compare them with the peers. Now, Richardson had games where he just didn't seem to know which end of the field was going on. And then he had other games where, wow, the guy's unbelievable. But how do you code all that? How do you write all that up? Mr. Plate developed a way to do that. Now, the other quarterbacks were, of course, Alabama's Bryce Young and Ohio State's C.J. Stroud. Richardson didn't even have a career anywhere near theirs. But there is nobody in the history of the draft, according to Mr. Plate's formula crunching, that comes close, even remotely close, to being as athletic a quarterback as Anthony Richardson. He might well be the most athletic talent 
in terms of how high you can jump, how fast you can run, how far you can throw it. So much so that a pro team takes a chance on him. Now, he's very young. That's in his favor. So there's time to work with him. So he uh, has a powerful arm and all that. Um, the team that took him, the Colts, according to Mr. Beaton, is either going to look in a few years brilliant or they're going to look like they were taken for a ride by a guy who never really materialized and planned and, and panned out. He threw just 17 touchdown passes with the Gators. He had nine interceptions and the Gators went six and six. So the relative athletic score takes all of that basically and throws it out the window. It's what they do in this combine. How fast he runs a 40-yard dash translates into a zero to 10 on a scale. Um, He's been featuring himself a big-time quarterback since the 11th grade. Kind of modeled himself after Cam Newton. Um, but uh, at six foot four, two hundred forty-four pounds, his vertical leap was forty point five inches. His broad jump, which is a standing broad jump, was ten feet nine inches. The highest ever, ever or a quarterback at the Combine. He can run a 40 in 4.43 seconds. It is uh, among the fastest ever recorded by anyone at that position. Now, at just 20 years of age, with only 393 collegiate passes, um, Everybody is going to be watching this guy to see how he does in the future. Um, I don't have a clue how he's going to do. He's a very self-effacing fellow. And one of the funny things is one of our friends in the, in the Ward Scott Files, after the baseball game, took his ticket, evidently the baseball, UF baseball ticket, Get you a donut at the uh, Krispy Kreme just uh, a night or two ago. And when he went in there, there was Anthony Richardson buying donuts for everybody in the place. And that was a big brouhaha. Here's this kid, 20 years old, 40-some million-dollar contract, value over extension is what I understand. And he's buying donuts for everybody. So that's the type of guy Anthony Richardson is. We'll see if the gamble pays off. Um, and if nothing else, you have got yourself a 
reason, perhaps, to <laughs> watch NFL football, whereas you would not have watched it before. Anthony Richardson, they call him AR. The other big story around here is um, which we've covered before and we're going to cover again is Coach Prime. Now, you know all about Coach Prime, right? Coach Prime is Deion Sanders and um, <laughs> you know, Dion is a marketing genius. He knows how to absolutely promote himself and everything that's around him. Looking from a show again here so I can watch who's chatting and um, see if we can tune into it somehow, some way. So um, let's see if we get it on the feeds here. I apologize. I apologize. Here we go. Uh, we got a little bit of it here. On the chat. Yeah. Hello, Ken. Hello, Michael. Well, um, Dion, he's kind of been the reason I've called the show today the media hitman. There's a theme that's going to run throughout the stories I tell you today. That if you are the CEO or the university president, or the Alachua County Sheriff, or Coach Prime. In other words, if you're in the hot seat, can you get a fair shake from the media? Who does the media work for? Well, a poll says, recent poll, that most of the country doesn't trust the media. They don't trust them to have real storytelling as a priority. They want to sell papers. They want to create controversy. They want to bias the reader. Well, in Coach Hogg's locker room, I'm going to start out with Coach Prime. Now, David Whitley wrote, I kind of like reading David Whitley with the Gainesville Sunset. He actually works for the USA Today Network, I guess. I enjoy reading him. He's kind of witty. I think he's a cut above most sports writers. But he couldn't resist, I guess, writing a column about Coach Prime wholesale running off all the losers. Of course, the Colorado team last year before Coach Prime was there went 1-11. And he's kind of highlighted, David Whitley, for lack of a better word, the rudeness with which Coach Prime has told the losers, I don't want you around me. Hit the road. I'm going to get some winners in here, which he can do with the transfer portal. So Sanders told the guys that he didn't think could play for him, quote, according to David Whitley, if I'm honest and it hurts your feelings, that's on you. That's not on me. I have to be honest. That's my deal with God. 
you know, he's not a politician or he wouldn't be saying that because politicians won't say that. So with name, image, and likeness and the transfer portal and all these, what David Whitley calls loosey-goosey transfer rules, Colorado is basically acting like a pro football team. And why shouldn't they? The rules allow them to. They're acting as a free agency school. 23 players who have never stepped foot on Colorado's campus before, prime arrived, entered the portal after the spring game, which was televised by ESPN. Nobody else's spring game was and reached an ungodly number of viewers. I, I will run across that number somewhere in my notes. 23 players entered the portal to make it a total of 50. And that's almost a whole new team. Since Coach Prime, and see, he's already got a name. He's not Coach Sanders. He's Coach Prime. No other school has had more than 30 players voluntarily or involuntarily move out. And so by the time Sanders is done, according to Whitley's calculations, 70 of Colorado's 85 scholarship players, 70 of them will be brand new. They'll be brand new. Now, let me tell you how the world works, and you know it. I don't need to tell you. All this will be forgotten if you're criticizing what he's doing. If he wins, it's as simple as that. The revolving door won't matter. Now, Dion had 551,000 viewers on ESPN for spring game. That was the largest TV audience for a spring game since 2016. So, fault him if you will. But he is there to create a winning football program and rebuild it using the rules that are available to rebuild it. And that's the way it works. Now, Dion's situation sort of set the theme for me today. I think the Gainesville Sunset news has become news according to Andrew Kaplan. The articles that I'm going to go through with you now were in the Gainesville Sun Sunday, 
And they're all written by Andrew Kaplan. Now, Andrew Kaplan, we know pretty well here at Ward Scott Files. But to us, he sort of seems as if now he's become kind of an arm of the liberal voice. The University of Florida president, Ben Sass. This article appears, I think, on the front page of the Gainesville Sunset on Sunday. And Kaplan says, a longtime top University of Florida official is out. And that is an abrupt departure. And the official was a fellow named Charlie Lane, who really had way too much to do. University-wide functions, information technology, human resources, audits, business, and real estate. And furthermore, he worked with Poe. How low can you go Bowtie Poe to marry the UF behavior to the liberal ideology of the Gainesville city under Pope. When the president comes in, he can make the decision to make that change. That's within the rules. Just as Coach Prime can use the NIL on the transfer portal. And if Coach Prime wants to replace every single player, he can do it. And in doing it, if he doesn't win, you can fire Coach Prime. The UF president, like the sheriff of Alachua County, can move people around and create the operational staff he wants. as long as it's conducted within, so to speak, the NIL and transfer portal rules. And yet the way this is written, it's as if it was done with some sort of Rejection of Lane because Kaplan writes that the email dismissing Lane failed to recognize Lane's time with the UF, any of his accomplishments. And here is the point that is really outside the bounds of the facts of the article, such as leading the university to becoming a top five public institution in the country. Really? Where's the evidence for that? 
and he did it. Well, what was the president of the university doing? Nothing. And how about the other things that occurred? Like bringing in critical race theory and all of the, and we have proof of that. We have it on Ward's hot bulletin board. That's no mention of that. And the implication is, and here's a kind of a cheap shot. This is why I want to point this out today. The media hitmen. This paragraph, community members and students have long suspected that SAS would come in and shake up the university, though much of those concerns revolved around political influence. What community members? Oh? What students? What students are you talking about? What do you put that in there for if you don't have, you're not going to name the student groups? If you're not going to name the community members? And at the conclusion of this article, Kaplan writes that SAS's office and SAS has denied multiple requests for interviews with the Gainesville Sun. Well, of course you would. Those are setups. The sheriff, for example, doesn't need to be talking about issues in the press that are bureaucratic issues governed by internal bureaucratic mechanisms. The press is a dangerous place to talk about these issues because of the bias of the press. It's setting a trap for you. When Andrew Kaplan writes a paragraph like that, and then you want an interview with the man about whom you wrote the paragraph. Good luck getting that. I wouldn't advise the president of the university to grant Andrew Kaplan an interview. Why that? What do you think the questions are going to be? The media hitmen. He's brought in as the president of the University of Florida. He's brought in by the trustees. Yes, the search process is a quiet process because when you apply for a job from another university or to another university, the university where you work, if they get wind of it, well, they, they won't, you won't have that job there and you may not get the job where you applied. So these presidential searches are closed, if you will, for a reason. 
Otherwise, you won't get anybody because the media hit men. We'll we'll start inflaming the public. When we get back, we're going to talk about Chuck Clemens and the bill that should be signed very soon. That is going to really, really make some changes here in the shining city on the hill, which is populated by the DNA that was dumped out of the UFO landing by the Lake of the Stupids in 1947. Be right back on the Ward Scott Lines. Although the owner of Lewis Oil Company maintains she is 29, Lewis Oil turns 60 years old in June. Chevron would like to recognize the North Florida second-generation family-owned business, celebrating its growth and staying power. Lewis Oil Company maintains significant on-hand supplies, strategically located fuel depots, a delivery fleet, on-site service, fuel card locks, and convenience stores. Lewis Oil Company understands its responsibility in the local economy by providing service and delivery on demand and in crisis. As a first responder for 18 Florida counties and the southeast from Texas to Virginia, we are proud of this rare accomplishment. Lewis Oil delivers. This is Ward Scott, and I want to thank all our sponsors who keep the show going and pay the bills. The Ward Scott Files premium sponsors are Crime Prevention Security Systems, large enough to serve you, small enough to care. Melvin Law, the only official injury partner of the Florida Gators. Ward Scott Files Gold sponsors are Lewis Oil Company, Shoot GTR, On the Spot Dry Cleaners, RR Construction, and Style Cuts. If you are interested in promoting your business on the show, you can visit our website, www.wardscottfiles.com and click on the Advertise Here banner on the right side of the page or call my friend Freddie at 352-284-3733. Again, thank you to all the great businesses that support the Ward Scott Files. And remember, if you like the show, thank our sponsors and support the businesses that support us. What you just said is one of the most insanely idiotic things I have ever heard. Everyone in this room is now dumber for having listened to it. May God have mercy on your soul. Or that very much surprises me that you've never been tased. You can't handle the truth! All these poop. Warthog. He's going to come up the steps. Here he comes. Oh my goodness, and he's huge. Hello, boy. I wonder if we can pet him. Hi, boy. Can we touch him? No, don't. Help me! Help! Help! Now for the weather brought to you by Lewis Oil. Welcome back to Ward's Weather here. On the Ward Scott Files, brought to you by, of course, Lewis Oil. 
Well, 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 I think the effects of the naked rain dance are now in the book, so to speak. I don't believe we'll get much rain this week. And I apologize, I apologize, I apologize for all the storms. But they produced and um, it was welcome. Everything is really turning green now. And we're into the month of May. So hopefully we'll get some grass growing for those of us who have agriculture. 59 degrees right now, 82 degrees later today. So I see Plantation Mark has had a little tornado damage and some heavy rain up there. So, you know, it's, it's not always good everywhere. Apologize for that. Uh, we've got uh, uh, Virginia Beach had some uh, major damage from a tornado. And so there's been some bad weather around. Europe happens to be recording the highest temperature in April they've had on record. So they'll all uh, susceptible, I suppose to the old global warming climate change story. Well, we're talking about media hitmen. And it seems that the Gainesville Sunset has hired one, and that's Andrew Kaplan. And I went through what he had written about the UF president. I went through um, the language of his narrative to kind of show you where he's inserting some things that probably are a little, little bit out of bounds. And he's also covering uh, what will be for the city a huge quantum change coming up. And that's the GRU bill. And he has quoted at length Harvey Ward. Now, Harvey Ward knows about as much about running a utility as I do, which is nothing. And yet, Kaplan turns to him thoroughly to get his opinion, Harvey Ward's opinion, which is not worth anything. And in the Gainesville Sunset Sunday, this is the headline, Mayor Says GR Bill Brings Impact to City and Residents, Problematic at Best. Problematic at Best. What was problematic was the ideological fascination with the biomass plant, which ended up being a financial catastrophe and had to be purchased and I'm a scoundrel, so to speak, who knew what he was doing. He saw a liberal sucker. Yet, Clemens's bill, which is really well thought out, really well rehearsed and researched, House Bill 1645, in Kaplan's article, quotes a line from Harvey Ward's letter to Clemens saying that House Bill 1645 is problematic at best. My question is, I think it's reasonable to ask this question, where is the data to support that claim? Where's the data? 
And Ward writes, according to Kaplan, the information before me and now before you indicates that instead the process is fraught with great risk to the people you and I serve. Clemens has had information and research forever. Any new information is not changing anything. So-called information. And of all things, Kaplan's article states that city officials have called Clemens' bill, city officials, once again, What city officials? What city officials? There's all kinds of city officials. City officials have called Clemens' bill politically motivated. Politically motivated? How about financially motivated? about fiscally motivated. The city officials are the ones who have been politically motivated. There was no rational reason for firing Michael Kurtz. It's ideology, political motivation. That's not in the article. And then Kaplan goes after Senator Keith Perry with a non sequitur saying that Perry requested an audit after multiple unsuccessful bills and their failed 2018 referendum that asked voters, you know, who came out and campaigned heavily against that were the city officials. They didn't let it play out on an honest debate in the public. And Kaplan accuses Perry of deceptive messaging. Deceptive messaging? The city has had the deceptive messaging all along, for years. Why isn't this article balanced? Why didn't this article mention that? Expert at City Hall say the transfer money figures are fabricated and cherry-picked data. They couldn't even get an outside auditing firm to audit that city hall finances because of the sloppy way in which the accounting was done at the city. Holland and Knight couldn't even audit the city. And then, of course, Nathan Scott is going to catch some of the blame for this. He's cited as a licensed lawyer. He's also an aeronautical engineer, by the way. 
they mixed apples and oranges. They said that he was against um, any kind of solar power, solar farm deal. We never know in the article that's true or not, what it's based on. He also, as a public service commission member, he made the prediction that there was going to be a project risk, but he did vote if the city of Gainesville wanted to do it. Scott, as a member of that commission, warned him that the actions in, in uh, you know, not sound. Here's where you go to find out what's really going on with the GRU. You go to the Alonzo Chronicle. Jennifer Cabrera, Len Cabrera, they practically put the Gainesville Sunset out of business. Here we have in the Gainesville um, figures here in the Alonzo Chronicle with a graph and with details from FEMA, Florida Municipal Electric Association. Not FEMA, but Florida Municipal Electric Association. I apologize. Has a report on electric bills in Florida from March 2023. Now, none of what Rivera puts in the Electro Chronicle article is in Andrew Kaplan's article. All Andrew Kaplan does is quote Harvey Ward. According to the report by the Florida Municipal Electric Association, GRU, and this is a quote from Jennifer Cabrera, not only has the highest residential rates for a municipal utility, it also has the highest rates of all utilities at the 1,000 kilowatt hour and 1,200 kilowatt hour levels. <clears throat> the 12-month average residential bill at the 1,000 kilowatt hour level for GRU was second only to Key West. while the city of Alachua and Williston were close to the bottom. And the reason we have that deal is we negotiated it. And we went to GRU and said, look, we'll provide you with all these Alachua, city of Alachua customers, but you're going to give us a deal. Every city here, from Williston to Quincy, uh, Lake Worth, all the way out to Gainesville. And Gainesville is by far the highest. By far. At the 1,000 kilowatt residential level, GRU's total bill in March was $182.63 
while Key West was 180. And it goes through all of this at the commercial level. At the 60,000 kilowatt hour commercial level, GRU's total bill in March was $12,390.30. Now, why can't Andrew Kaplan and the Gainesville Sunset do that. What is going on? I ask you, what's going on? The school superintendent, according to Andrew Kaplan, all this is in the same edition of Gainesville Sun, is on the hot seat. <clears throat> supposedly because there's no strategic plan there's no rezoning there's nothing address the district's achievement gaps there are growing discipline issues so Kaplan writes since he's led the district Shane Andrews there's little progress been made on the most pressing issues. Let's go through these issues. The report, according to Kaplan, excludes alarming statistics of elementary school students. <clears throat> The way this is written, it's as if it's Shane Andrews' fault. That a more uh, a, a, a report that monitors student success shows that only four percent to twenty-one percent of black students in grades three to ten are grade level from math and English language arts. And of course, enter the race card. I'm going to do a little more research on that and share it with you as to what that's about. So it's his leadership style. Do you get the theme through all this? It's the leadership style. Here's what teachers have told me about achievement. In kindergarten, the high achievers can read and add. And they quickly move on and they get help at home. The low achievers have to be remediated from day one. Why? And remember, the article by Kaplan is about Shane Andrews' poor leadership. Why do the low achievers have to be remediated from day one? Well, this is according to the teachers I've talked to. 
those low achievers have not been read to at home. Those low achievers don't recognize letters and numbers at home. Those low achievers oftentimes haven't even seen their name in print before they come to school. So when they do make it to school, it takes the school a long time to teach them what the high achievers knew coming in. And keep in mind, the low achievers don't get much, if any, help at home. That's not anywhere in Kaplan's hit piece. The teachers will tell you that most brain development occurs by age four. So the low achievers are already behind and will take a long time to catch up if they can ever catch up. If they can ever catch up. Meanwhile, another article by Andrew Kaplan. By the way, we're under a wind advisory today. Another article by Andrew Kaplan about, guess who? Carly Simon. Who is now an interim dean at a small school that's not much bigger than Buholtz, that's not accredited, in of all places, Alaska. But there's extensive quotes Kaplan's published that she's given. Kaplan says, that she was a leader behind the district rezoning efforts. The only thing was to send Tewilliger schools to New Tewilliger. I researched this. That's the only rezoning thing. It's not this big rezoning deal. And that she planned to do to address the achievement gap between white and minority students. Did she ever do one? And can you address the achievement gap if there's no home? What's going on here? Why are these reporters writing this kind of stuff? Furthermore, Kaplan writes that Simon was a leader of accountability. What kind of accountability? 
That is used every every year in school systems, with or without Simon. She's given for credit in this article for wanting better financial control for Camp Crystal Lake, when the real story was she wanted her buddy to take on Camp Crystal, and this all got played out in a lawsuit. And this article goes on and on. Why? Why would Kaplan write an in-depth article about Simon, half of which is just PR, unfounded claims, and just oppose that in the same publication with one about the current superintendent without any data to back up what he's saying. I don't know. I don't know. I don't know. The media hit me. It's amazing. Well, just when you think things can't get any stranger, California. I think I keep thinking California will break off in, in an earthquake and float out to Hawaii. But California, according to the Washington Examiner, are you ready for this? You probably may already know it, has become the first state in the United States to approve regulation, are you ready for this, to end diesel truck sales by 2036. Because of climate action. California is going to phase out all medium and heavy-duty diesel truck sales in the state of California so that by 2045, there will be zero emissions from trucks. Furthermore, he's going to go after train pollution. Of course, the American Trucking Association said, my God, have you lost your mind? These are unrealistic targets. It's going to drive the price for goods and services up. It's all being done under the blanket order of Uncle Joe who signed an executive order, I'm so tired of executive orders, directing federal agencies to prioritize issues. Are you ready for this term? You haven't heard this term. It's a brand new term. Prioritize issues 
of environmental justice. We're going to ban diesel trucks in California to accomplish I can't make this stuff up to accomplish environmental justice. And given the culpability of the media, in all likelihood, they'll jump on this and start writing about it and promoting it, just as we did here, the biomass plant. that needed a drastic course correction in order to get the city to come to its senses, which they couldn't do on their own. Now, I don't know what's going to bring California to its senses. They don't seem to be able to do that on their own. And it seems to be the mecca for every environmental notion, so to speak, that you can imagine. Today's show has been about the media hitmen who don't play ball fairly, who either because they deliberately do it or they, I'm sure they know they do it. They write one side of the story. And they wait for you to try to catch it. Keep your antenna up. Have a great day. Port Hog Command Center out.